All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Well, surprise, surprise. Look who's here. Welcome, everybody, to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and Tim Worsberg. I, you know what? I couldn't, I couldn't stay away, Tim. I was supposed to go. I, I wanted to leave, but there's so much action happening. We had to drop another episode just because what a 24 hours since Wednesday. It's been insane. It's been coaches getting fired, suspensions being levied, lots and lots and lots of big, big news items. It's been fun to watch. It's been a really interesting last 24 hours. Yeah, it's social media and Twitter, hockey Twitter, the last 24 hours has been basically a full-time job. I'm retweeting stuff like it is my job because there's so much happening. It seems like every hour there's some big news breaking. Um, and the biggest one is happening over the one team that we spent a lot of time talking about this year. The Edmonton Oilers and also the Boston Bruins and also the Montreal. We, we spent a lot of times talking about all of these teams, but mostly the Edmonton Oilers. You're right. People get sick of it, but man, oh man, do they make good talking fodder? They're always yeah. in the action. Nothing ever happens in Calgary or Dallas or Nashville. Like those teams aren't, there's no news coming out of there. We're talking about right now. No, really ever. Even successful, like good teams like Tampa Bay, pretty, pretty much fly under the radar. Florida, other than that Quinville thing when they fired him early in the season, steady as she goes there. Carolina, you don't hear much out of Carolina. So a lot of action happening in Edmonton. And when you're a podcast and you're paid to talk about things, you talk about what's interesting. And right now, the Edmonton Oilers have fired their head coach, Ken Holland, the GM who has never fired a coach in season ever in his whole history of being a GM wow. he has finally pulled the trigger. Dave Tippett is out of Edmonton. I don't know who's going to replace him to this point. I don't think they've named a replacement. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, is it too little too late, Tim, for the Edmonton Oilers? Do you feel like this is just a month in the making where they should have pulled this, you know, trigger at the start of the new year, giving them a chance because right now I like, is there still some time for the new coach to come in, implement his systems and resurrect this season? Or is it a lot lost cause right now? Uh, I don't know. It depends on the coach. I think and it depends on his experience level and the guys on the team, they're confident in him. Um, but I mean, I look at like what Chicago did. They, and again, Colleton was a much more inexperienced coach. He didn't have a track record. So I'm sure he had a shorter leash, but they fired him pretty early on in the season to, 
not try to waste a season because they had higher expectation. It didn't work out. They're still out of the playoff picture. It's not wasn't successful there. But I like that approach because at least you, you do it early enough that you still got enough runway to to make a run. Edmonton is running out of time. Um, they've, they've had a little upkick lately. They're just above 500 or about it in the last 10 games. Lost the last couple in a row, but they're only a few points out of a playoff spot, which is good because they had dropped pretty low before that. So, um, yeah, to answer the question, I think it depends on who they bring in. And so far, no one has been named. Yeah, it's Edmonton. It frustrates me because they, they've brought in every type of coach. You, you want a hard-nosed coach, you bring in Ken Hitchcock. He's going to bag skate you. He's, he's going to be the military-type coach. Todd McClellan, more so known as a player coach. I played for him in San Jose. Uh, a mostly quiet, subdued, will raise his voice every once in a while, but just a very stoic-type coach. You want a coach who's just a vanilla painting wall and let's let the players go, that's a Dave Tippett. He is just a hands-off guy. He'll let the players do whatever they want, really – they, they've ran through the gamut. You want a young, exciting offensive guy? You got Dallas Eakins. They tried him. You want an international coach? He, they went to Ralph Kruger. They tried him. They have tried every different type of coach there is out there. None of them have worked. Why is that? I don't know. But the common theme is they don't give these coaches a lot of rope. They, they literally hire them. And then it's almost as if they say, if you don't win this year, we're going to fire you. It's, it's not, they don't set them up for success. It it, it bothers me. I don't know. What do you think? Is it just, it's not a regular quote unquote franchise. When you have the two best players and Connor McDavid being the generational talent that he is, the stakes are too high. You don't want to waste a year. You don't want to give a time, a coach a couple of years to figure it out to see if he's the the fit for your franchise when the expectations are that you need to start winning. And obviously it hasn't happened. And I I hate to say it, maybe it's already that's already that analogy's already been made, but it's reminding me of the Sharks and until twenty whatever it was, twenty eighteen, the Capitals, where you had this crew together for so long. They were so good in the regular season. Like I get they're losing right now, but an elite team on paper that just could not figure it out. And it seemed like that's what Edmonton is turning out to. They're just, they should be better. They're not performing when it matters. And you get, you're going to end up with a, a jumbo Marlowe situation where these two elite players play for 20 years and never win a, a Stanley cup or really get that close. The, it, there's one major difference. The sharks went to a Stanley cup final. The Washington capitals won a Stanley cup finals. The sharks won a ton of playoff series. Since the Oilers made the Stanley Cup Finals back in 2006, they've won six games in the postseason. Not six series, six games since 2006. That's 18 years, and they've won six games. It's Or 16 years, excuse me. It's remarkable how bad they've been. 16 years, they've only won six games in the playoffs. And you've had... It's not like they haven't had good players. They've had... You know what? I, I went back and I did a little digging. Everybody is everybody knows about their two consecutive, three consecutive number one overall picks. They had Connor McDavid. They had Ryan Seidel, who they picked three. They had Yakupov, who they picked one. They had Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who they picked one, and they had Taylor Hall, who they picked one. Other than that group, they they sandwiched Darnell Nurse in there with the seventh overall pick. They've had a pretty lackluster draft. And they've had high draft picks ever since Connor McDavid. They they had the fourth pick in 2016, Jesse Poviari. He's had a, a sort of uptick this season, but all in all, he's been a failure at the fourth overall pick. 
Evan Bouchard in 2018, verdict's still out. He's he's playing better this year, but what still pick was he? he was a tenth overall. The year right. before that, Kyler Yamamoto. This is only his really first year. He's only got five points in 26 games. He was 22nd overall. The year after um, Bouchard, it was Philip Broberg. Hasn't seen the NHL. The year after that, it was Dylan Holloway, 2020. Hasn't seen the NHL. And mind you, these guys are still young. They are still like Holloway's, I think, still in University of Wisconsin, or he could be in Bakersfield. I'm not sure. But it hasn't been an amazing amount of success coming from the draft, other than you have the number one overall pick, and you better – hit it out of the park and you didn't even hit it out of the park with one of them. You get Neil Yakupov. So I know it's easy to blame the coach. I know it's easy to blame the GM, but when you have these many high draft picks and you're not drafting, and I know this might be, if you're not drafting future hall of famers on at least half of these guys, something's wrong. When you look at all the number one overall picks in the history of hockey, I would hazard a guess that half of them are hall of famers. They have to be. And the Oilers don't have that right now. Is Taylor Hall a hall of famer? Delphi, no. Connor McDavid, no. he's going to yes. be. Is Nugent Hopkins a Hall of Famer? Is Yakupov a no. Hall of Famer? No, <laughs> not even Pro All Stars. Yes. So one out of the four is really earmarked for the Hall of Fame. And maybe I'm like, I'm setting the bar high, but when you're the number one overall pick and you're the guy who's supposed to change the franchise, you're the guy who's supposed to go out there and, you know, change the face of this, like turn it around. They didn't get that. And is that the scouts' faults? I don't know. It is what it is, but um, I, I have a hard time believing that all of these coaches who have coached Edmonton Oilers are bad coaches. I've played for McClellan. I've played for Dave Tippett. I've played for Jay Woodcroft, who's a new coach coming in. They're all good coaches in their own, in their own regard. They, they've done it. They've succeeded in other markets. They have coached playoff teams. They've had a lot of success in the playoffs, all of them. It is hard for me to believe that it's the coach's fault. And when it's not the coach's fault and it's not the GM's fault, well, it might be the GM's fault in this case. At what point do we have to just look at McDavid and Dryden Seidel and be like, you guys need to do more. I know you score a million points. You need to do more. Maybe sacrifice a little bit of the offense and play a little, play a little bit of defense. Because right now when I watch the Edmonton Oilers, those two guys, all they want to do is play in the offensive zone. They play 20 to 25 minutes a game. They, they exert... 80 to 90% of their energy in the offensive zone, then they just don't do anything in the defensive zone. And I know they're this one and two in the points and everybody just is in love with their points totals and uh, this and that. There's more to hockey than just offense. And I think we see that with Bergeron. We see that Kucherov. We see that with the teams that succeed and the players that are really successful in this league and actually have jewelry to their name. It's they play up and down the ice. There's a well-rounded game. I don't think those two have figured it out just yet. So I know Tippett had to go. Whatever he was doing wasn't working. Started the season nine and one. Since then, they've been an absolute train wreck. But um, I don't know. This is not the answer for me. It's not the answer at all. If you're Ken Holland, how long is the leash for Woodcroft? Do you give him the rest of the season no matter what? And then, Well, this is, this is the, the sad thing because, and we're going to talk about this in Montreal as well. Unless Woody turns it around and makes the playoffs and they make a run, they're going to look elsewhere in the off season. Like he, he, he has his room for error is so little because it just say he goes 500 the rest of the way and they, and they lose in the first round. They go, well, we're not going to win with this guy. Well, let's get somebody else. Just say things stay status quo. Like, oh, we're going to get rid of somebody else. The only way he keeps his job next year, Woodcroft is if he 
gets in the playoffs and wins around. That's it. Yep. And if I'm Woody, I played for Woody. Unbelievably offensive-minded, offensive-gifted coach. He is a dynamo on the power play. He knows what he's doing. He's very, very smart. He's a young coach. He's got a just a bright future ahead of him. I think he's only 45 years old. This could potentially derail his career. It could be a situation. Was it was it even Dallas Eakins who went to Toronto? Someone went to Toronto and stunk the first year and it set him back a few years. It was Kruger or Eakins or one of these young, exciting coaches. So I don't know. I feel bad for Woody because it's a no-win situation unless he like knocks out of the park, and I don't see that happening. We mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that they're five points behind Calgary. They're right there. The Oilers have been sucking it up lately. Calgary just beat the Vegas Golden Knights 6-0 the other night. They look so incredibly good. They were buzzing up and down the ice. The defensemen were playing great. Tanev has just solidified the back end. The goalie was on his mark. Like They looked really, really good. They looked like the playoff caliber team. It was a very, very well-played hockey game for the Calgary Flames, and they just dominated the Vegas Golden Knights, who are a good team. Yes, they didn't have um, – what's his name in net? They're starting. Leonard. Leonard. Leonard wasn't playing, but – Leonard's not good anyway. He let up five goals last night, six goals. But the Flames looked good. The Oilers have not looked good. So it's not like they're going to change everything at the drop of a hat and just become a different team. They have issues in goaltending. They're two goalies. They would be lucky to be starters in the KHL. They should not be starters in the NHL, both of them. And I know Mike Smith. I consider him a friend. The other guy, Kaikinen, I don't know. I've never met him. But Koskinen. <laughs> Koskinen, who cares? There's too many Finnish goalies. They need to like stop letting Finns in. There's, their one names less. Are too similar. There's one less. Why? Oh, Tuka. Tuka. Yeah, too many Ks. I don't like it. Their defense is it's not good. We've known this. We've known this for years now. They tried to revamp it. Last year it was showing some signs of progression. Ken Holland didn't like that. And so we just gutted the defense and brought in older, slower players who were past their prime and then signed Cody Cece to a big deal for some odd reason. And now Dunks got hurt this last game. So who knows how he's going to be out, how long he's going to be out. It's, I don't like it. Tips had to go, but for those people who think this is going to just change the franchise and they're going to get a fresh face in there and it's going to be great. It's not going to happen. This is a bad hockey team. It's a terrible hockey team. I don't like this team. I don't like the way they're made up. I don't like the GM. I don't like anything about it. I was born in Edmonton. I wish they were good. It pains me to say this, but they're bad. They will not make this, the playoffs this year, and it's going to be hopefully a wake-up call for a lot of people within the Oilers organization to look in the mirror and say, well, if it's not the GM and it's not the coach, maybe it's the president. Redo how you do things in Edmonton because it's not working. It hasn't worked in a decade. It hasn't worked in two decades. They hit lightning in a bottle in 2006 and luckily made the Stanley Cup finals based on my buddy, Fernando Prasani, just ripping game winners every single night. So it's uh, it ain't working. It ain't working at all. Last, last question before we move on. What do you think is going through Connor McDavid's head right now? Nothing. He doesn't care. You see him in the press conferences. He's like, well, whatever. He's not a leader, man. Is that he's not is a that leader? Not he's caring? A is that is that being beaten down? Is that just like him? He's melancholic. It could be two, th- two things could be the same at the same time. He's definitely beaten down. I don't think he's a good leader. I really don't. He's a, he's a world class. He's the best player on the planet. I don't think he's the best leader on the planet. I don't think he's the best leader in that locker room. That's. I honestly don't think it make 
means anything. How many coaches has he had since he entered the NHL? You have the stat there, right? Yeah, it's like something like five and six years, something like that. So he's used to it. It's it's old hat to him. It'll be interesting to see if he uh, he has any input to the new coach because he should. You know, he he's the guy on this team. He's going to put up a million points. And they're going to miss the playoffs again. But I don't think he cares at all, to be honest with you. Uh, he doesn't look like a player who's interested in winning. He doesn't look like a player who's interested in doing anything. He knows his team sucks, and that's where he's at. I think he's interested. He's checking when his contract's done, and he wants to get out of there, and he will not re-sign at Edmonton unless something drastic, drastic changes. When his contract is up, when is it up? Let's see. In 2025-26, he's going to be 30 years old. He's going to hit the open market, and he's gone, baby. Gone in a heartbeat. Dreinsign will be gone the year before. Edmonton's better wake up because these two guys are going to be gone and you're going to wake up and realize you've wasted 10 years of two of the most talented players on the planet and didn't get anything of it. You won six playoff games in 25 years. That's going to be a very sobering stat when you wake up and you realize that. And these two guys are entering the Hall of Fame. And they all, oh, he had 1 million points in the regular season. And in the playoffs, he had four. Congratulations. You're a complete failure and you have no Stanley Cups to your name and you're the best player on the planet. And you beat Wayne Gretzky's records. Wayne has five Stanley Cups and you have zero. You're a loser. Loser. You're a little little ornery today, huh? No, I'm just being practical. Realistic. This is exactly what's going to happen. At least San Jose made a run. At least San Jose had a chance. They made the Stanley Cup finals. They were there. They got there. Edmonton yeah. hasn't got it. They went through it. They had some heartbreak, but that's more than that's more than the others can say. They're, They're pathetic. They're absolutely pathetic. And Do you remember your conversation on whatever the show's name is called, Oilers Nation, with Tyler and those other guys? You know, three four months ago when they were about nine and one, like during that hot stretch, and you said something. I think you might have said they, they wouldn't make the playoffs, or if they did, they wouldn't win around, and they were Call carving it. you up. And you also got like, I don't know, hundreds, dozens, whatever of, of tweets just calling you an idiot on their network. Yeah. And they're looking pretty good right now. Well, it, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors behind that nine and one start. Their penalty kill was historically potent. I think they were killing penalties at a 90% rate. Their power play was clipping along at 35, 40%. Those things are, you, you can't sustain that. But everybody was just drinking the Kool-Aid. They're like, oh, my goodness, this is great. I thought Connor would put up 200 points. I'm not going to lie. I was all in on him. But when you don't have the goaltending and the defense is suspect, you can't ride those things forever. Averages tend to average out over time. They had a hot start. Good for them. Ever since then, let's see. They went. They were 16-5 and five on December 1st when they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 5-2. to two. They're 16 and five, six, then they've gone seven and 16, seven and not even, not even 250 hockey. That's less than that. They're bad hockey team. They're a bad hockey team. They will not make the playoffs. Mark my word. I feel bad for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Everyone's talking about McDavid. Nuge has had a ton of coaches since he entered the league. Tom Rennie, Ralph Kruger, Dallas Eakins, Todd Nelson, Craig McTavish, Todd McLennan, Ken Hitchcock, Dave Tippett, and now Jay Woodcroft. This guy's only been in the league 10, 11 years. He's just that's a, a coach a year almost. Poor guy. Number one overall pick. How do you expect someone to succeed when you don't give them something solid to hang on to? 
you, you don't give them a, a, a system to grow into. All these coaches come in and change a system. They want you to do different things. They expect you to forecheck differently, backcheck differently. Everything's changed. As a player, you need to be able to react at the drop of a hat, and you're not supposed to think about things. It's very hard to do that if you're learning a new system every year, every two years. I know it sounds silly, but it has to be ingrained in you. If you're in a city for 10 years, you should know your offense back and backwards, forwards, what to do in the defensive zone, how everything works. And he can't because it's always something new every year. And then he's got all these systems in his head. So when he's on the four check, he's like, should I, you know, be the third man? Should I dive in? What should I do? It, I feel bad for him because he's, he's a very good hockey player and he, his career has just been ruined because of all the coaching changes and the instability with Edmonton. And he just signed an extension for eight years. He, he's going to be there till 28, 29. He just signed that this summer. It's like, if I'm, it's, yeah, go ahead. I'm trying to trade for him if I'm another team. I like his contract. He only makes $5 million, 5.125. He's got a good deal. If I'm another GM and the Edmonton Oilers are trying to switch things up, I'm going after the Nuge. I think he's got a lot of good hockey left in him. I think a change of scenery would be good. I know he loves Edmonton. I would be trying to pry him out of Edmonton. If they all of a sudden go in sell mode when they it sinks in, they're not going to make the playoffs, and they look at the roster and they go, well, how do we how do we revamp things? How do we get some money? They have a lot of expiring contracts, Kane, Turris, Polviari, Yamamoto, McLeod, Perlini, Benson. If, if they want to change things up and get rid of a bigger number, I'm trying to pry Nugent Hopkins out of Edmonton. I like that. That's a good number for him, right? 5.125. Yeah, but he's already 28 years old. Like you're going to be, that's 37, something like that around that. So that's a, that's a long time to attach I yourself agree. to some guy. But I think you can have him for another three or four good years, you know, get him until he's 33. That's worth it to get a guy for 5 million bucks who puts up 70 to 100 points for my team for $5 million. I would take that. That's a risk I'm willing to take. I don't and know. And the good thing, too, like he's, he's not like overly physical. I think his playing style lends itself to a longer career. I don't think his body will break down. I don't think he's doing things that are like he's not having all these surgeries every year. So, yeah, maybe that is a, maybe that is a, good, uh, a good contract. What do you think the highest point total the Nuge has ever gotten? 83. 69. No way. Really? Yeah. And that was, that was kind of an aberration. His first eight years, he got 52, 24, 56, 56, 34, 43, 48, and 69. How many are any like point per game or better in shorter seasons though? No, none of them are. Yeah. That's wild. I thought he was always a little bit better than that. That's uh, he's, he's, this is his best year this year. He's 33 points in 37 games. Oh, wow. <laughs> The Nuge. Yeah. No wonder that contract's so low. I think we saw oof, oof, woof. All right. Anything else on Edmonton you want to touch on? Is this no. is this Anders' fault? Uh, well, it certainly doesn't help. So yeah, it's not working out like they envisioned. He's on the first line, though. They really stacked in Yamamoto. They're trying to fire light a fire into this kid's butt. He's he's not playing well. So they got him on the first line yeah. with Vander Kane and Connor McDavid. So they're trying to spread it out. It's not working. They have <laughs> There are three centermen are McDavid, Dreinsaddle, and the Nuge. Like it's it's pretty strong down the middle, guys. You're pretty strong down the middle. The back end's terrible, and the goaltenders are horrendous, and the wingers are just it's a who's who of wingers with Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogel, Derek Ryan, Jesse Poviari, Kaylor Yamamoto, and Zach Cassian. I'll give it to Hyman. He's been having a good season. 
and Evander Kane. Kane. All right, let's move on. Let's move on from Edmonton because I'm sure we'll talk about him tomorrow. I'll let you take the lead on this one, Tim. I know this one stung a little bit, but I I just want to say I told you so. Yeah, you did. Marshawn suspended for six games, um, which is his eighth suspension, which is the most in the history of the league. He's the most suspended player. He passed uh, Chris Pronger who had seven, uh, which I wasn't even on my radar. I hadn't thought of that. I think there are other guys who have had more games, like, you know, yeah. those 40 game suspensions. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it was part of it because he got suspended last year. So that put him back on the recent list because he had been suspended a few times early on in his career, been on his best behavior. We talked about this. He, he basically made a decision three, four, five years ago where he said, I'm going to focus on the other parts of my game. I'm going to stay in line and – He's tickled it a little time. He's crossed it here or there, but he's mostly been on his best behavior and he's put up like a hundred points, which is a year, which is just crazy. I don't know that anyone would have thought he had that in him. So the part that's really frustrating for me as a Bruins fan and really for the league, like the league's better when he's in it is just, it's just the boneheaded decision-making. It's like, we need, we need you, we being the Bruins, like we need you out there and now you're gone for six games. Now the timing's kind of okay because it's not the playoffs. We're still going to make the playoffs. They're not really in danger of that. But, like, it, this is a pattern with him. You know what I mean? This is not an isolated insulin. This is not even, like, a – he's the most suspended player of all time. So, like, this is this is a serious issue. And and I, I hope it doesn't happen where – I think he's experienced enough, old enough, where he wouldn't cross the line in the playoffs. But what if he does? And this happens in the, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals or something, and he just takes a whack at Sam Coaster and all of a sudden – he's out for a critical game or a couple of critical games and we lose the series and he's not there. Like that's the kind of thing that really makes me nervous. So um, I think, I think probably six games is, is uh, it's, it's a lot. Um, I haven't heard that he's going to appeal it. Usually they, they are pretty quick when that happens in the first 24 hours. So maybe that's coming this afternoon, but if he does, maybe it gets dropped down to five or four. Uh, I don't think it, it'll change that much. I think he's just got that history. So yeah, you're right. What do you want me to say? The tricky thing with appealing is that he could get more tagged on. So yeah. it goes to a neutral arbiter. If um, Gary Bettman upholds it, then they go to a third party. I would not appeal this. And watching the play again, going over it, if this was his first offense, it might be a one-game suspension. If this is your first offense, it's, it's not that an egregious of play. He punches him, yes. There's not a lot behind it. He's lunging. It's not like he loaded up and punched him. He hits him with his stick, spears him. That's, a, that's where the suspension comes from. If he doesn't do anything other than punch Jari, he might get a fine. The suspension comes from the spear. If, a, if he's got a clean record, maybe one game. He doesn't have a clean record. Looking back on the major suspensions, I was just doing some comparison. There's never really been a six-game suspension in the last three, four, five years. The other big-game suspensions, Cotterie got eight games for his hit on Justin Falk in the playoffs last year. That was a pretty dirty hit. Falk, the optics of it, lying unconscious on the ice. Cotterie has a known history of that. He's been suspended before. But that, that warranted eight games. Falk was hurt. He was injured. It was a really dirty play. Wilson, seven games for his hit on Carlo. Same type of deal. Carlo, vulnerable position on the boards. He hit him. He he took a run at him. He gets seven games. He's got a history. Marshawn gets six games. Yari's not even hurt. He just brushes him with his hand and he pokes him with his stick. This all has to do with his with his history. Yep. You see, and I did a little digging too. I went back and I looked at his history. 
I used to like Brad Marchand. I used to respect him because he's just, he's a, there's not very often you see a very skilled player who plays on the edge like he does. It, it's a very strange mixture. I can't think of many players who, who play on the edge like he does, but also put up the amount of points that he does. It, it's, a, it's a unicorn type player. When I was looking at all of his indiscretions, all of his incidences where he's just gotten into a little trouble, there's so many to choose from pages and pages and pages of stuff that Brad Marchand has gotten into his first suspension, two games from elbowing RJ Umberger, 2011. These are just his suspensions, five games for low bridge on Sammy Sallow. This is a common thing with him that, that really irks me. Low bridges and slew footing, the two most gutless plays in hockey, slew foot and low bridge. And he loves doing both of those things. It drives me crazy. That's how you really hurt people when you slew foot them and you low bridge them. I'm okay with elbowing. I'm okay with like a, you know, hit to the head. It's, it's a physical play. You're trying to hit somebody. It's the slew footing. It's the low bridging. It's the clipping. It's these things. And this is what he's known for. That's why players hate him. They absolutely. And I have changed my tune with Marshawn. I used to defend him. I'm not going to defend him anymore. It's a joke. Two games for slew footing Derek Broussard. There you go. Three games for clipping Mark Borowicki. Two games for spearing Jake Dockshin in the uh, you know where's. Five games for elbowing Marcus Johansson. Three games for slew footing Oliver Ekman Larson. And six games for roughing high sticking Tristan Yari. Fines. He was fine in 2011 12. 2,500 for slew footing. 15 16. 5,000 for roughing. 16 17. 10,000 for slew footing. Nicholas Cronwall. 17 18. 2,000 for diving. 5,000 for cross checking. And that's not even all the stuff he, like, he did so much more stuff that he didn't get fined and suspended for. That's just the stuff that he got dinged for. The guy's a dirty player. It's a shame. It's really a shame because he's really a fun player to watch. And he would just, if he would keep his nose clean, I know how hard it is because it's so massive. If he would keep his nose clean, he would be such a pleasure to watch. Even if he didn't have to keep it clean, just keep it kind of clean. You know what I mean? Not to all this garbage because it just ruins his reputation. And now he's just, he's known as the biggest dirtbag in his era. Like he should be up there in the conversation with the Patrick Canes and the Jonathan Taves and those type of players who went the Steven Stamkos of the world. But when you think of Brad Marchand, you go, oh, Marchand, Sean Avery, Steve Ott, the dirty rats of the NHL. Who was the most dirtiest player? He doesn't belong in that conversation based on his skill, but that's where he's at. And it's it's really too bad because he's he's a world class talent, and he's just he's ruined it because he's a, he's a dick. I'm sorry, he is. He's he's not a nice person. He takes advantage of people and tries to hurt people, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So that's my take. He should have got more more than six. That's my take. Uh, didn't you say five or six though? I did. I didn't know the extent of his history. You know, I just assumed, oh, he licks guys or he like squirts water at guys from the bench or he takes her stick. I didn't realize how far back this this reputation of just being a bad like this. And I played with him during all these seasons. Like I, I left in 2016. He was doing all yeah. this stuff. It's a, he's a dirty player. He's a really dirty player. And you know what I need to do when I when I feel like this? I eat my feelings. And I need to do that after this podcast because I'm so fired up. I got to cool myself down. I might get some ice cream. I'm going to order DoorDash. Even during the middle of winter, I can get myself some ice cream because DoorDash does everything for you whenever you want it. I'm going to eat my feelings from Brad Marchand. The guy's fired me up. And I'm going to save some money at the same time. 
because I'm smart. I think I'm smart. I hope I'm smart. I don't know, but I'm smart enough to use DoorDash and to save some money. How do you want to use DoorDash, everybody? Go to DoorDash, fire it up on your phone. Bing, bing. Use promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. GLOVESDDUS if you're in the USA. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. Get it delivered to your door. Just just calm down over the whole Brad Marchand thing and the Oilers firing their coach. Get yourself some food. Feel good. It's nice. You're alive. Life is good. At least you're not Brad Marchand, that big old schnoz he's got. Get yourself some DoorDash. Use our promo code. It'll do us a good solid. It'll do you a solid, and everybody's happy. So DoorDash. John, I hate to break it to you, but Jordash might help you calm down, but you're going to get worked up again because there was Tippett was not the only coach fired yesterday. There was somebody else too. No. Yes. Stop. Yes. I kid you not. Uh, Ducharme in Montreal, he's out. He's out. He's out. He's out. And you'll never guess who replaced him. Let me guess. A French guy. No. Yes. What? (laughs) No. Yeah, uh, I, I, so Marty St. Louis, I think everyone knows by now. I, first of all, as a player, love him. One of the, the best players, uh, my favorite players I've ever watched. I, I love Marty St. Louis. We talked about him uh, in the undrafted segment a couple of years ago, like the best undrafted player maybe ever, uh, certainly up there. And then I like the fact that they're going a little bit out the box. We've spent a lot of time recently dumping on the quote unquote old boys club where it's the same faces over and over again. You get out and you get back in as soon as there's a spot. So I like the fact that they're going a little bit uh, sideways here rather than, you know, the same old thing. But he's never really held any head coaching job other than, like, his kids. He's never really had some serious – I don't know. I think he's done some stuff in juniors and maybe in the minors. But this is a big, big leap for him. And I think he's up for it in the sense that he knows the game. He likes teaching. I I heard some interview of him earlier today. Like, he's he wants to build players. He's got his – he's very – I mean, he knows the X's and O's. He wants to – help guys succeed so i think that's going to be helpful and obviously he's been there which is which is helpful too but this is this is a bit of a leap this is they're they're taking a risk here on the other side they've got nothing to lose it can't get worse you're telling me you're telling me that a coach wants to help his players succeed oh man marty st louis he's on to something tim oh and i saw and i saw he wanted to have fun Wait, he also he also wants to win some games too. Oh man. This guy's a genius. This is unbelievable. Whoa, Montreal, look out. Look out. They're start planning the parade, Montreal. This is such a smart signing. Just getting marked. You can't call him Marty St. Louis. It's Martin Saint Louis. Put the, the French accent on it. Hey, hey, ça va bien. It's Martin. Um, I'll tell you why this is a smart hiring for Montreal. It distracts everybody from how garbage their hockey team is. That's the only thing that this does. It's saying, oh, our hockey team's bad. Look over here. Look over here. We got Marty St. Louis. He's a, you guys like him, right? He's from Laval. He's, free. He's a local guy. He speaks French. He's handsome. He's in the Hall of Fame. You guys like him, right? Here's, here's, a, here's a shiny toy to look at. That's all it does. There's much like Jay Woodcroft with Edmonton. They're bringing this guy in. He's going to fail. What, like, what is he going to do? He's never coached in his life. He was a special teams advisor for the Columbus Blue Jackets just because he was buddies with John Tortorella. He knows his X's and O's. 
what does that even mean? He, he He's good at tic-tac-toe. He knows his X's and O's, Tim. It doesn't, it does it boggles my mind that this is the hiring now for Montreal. Boggles my mind. Okay. What about this? Uh, this is this is not a response to you, but I'm wondering if there's anything at all to this or not. Do you think he helps Cole Caulfield's game? No, well, because they're short. They both yeah. are short. Yes. No, I don't think he does. Maybe an inch, and there there might be a little uptick. You know, maybe they won't lose by five goals, they'll lose by two goals. You know, maybe maybe they'll get a winning streak of three games. So they will be last place in the NHL. They will get the first overall pick. They will be a terrible hockey team for the rest of this season. This doesn't do anything. I think this what this does, this whole season solidifies maybe how big of a presence Shea Weber was in that locker room last year, how big a presence Carey Price was in that locker room, a Philip Deneau, who was really an underrated leader on that team, who did a lot. A lot for that team. He locked down the other team's first line. He was really, you know, halfway decent on the offensive zone. It just kind of really amplifies how good those players were because really it's not a lot of turnover on this Montreal Canadiens team. It's really the same group of forwards. You lose your big guy in the back end, Shea Weber. I think it, it, it really does show how good that he was for this team. And he took a lot of heat getting traded for PK Subban. He didn't put up the numbers that Subban did. He wasn't as flashy, but man, what he, what he doesn't give you an offensive total. He makes up for just in his presence, his attitude, the way he goes about his business. I would take a Shea Webb over, over a PK Subban any day of the week. He's just any, he, and it shows right here because Montreal is an absolute, just they're a train wreck. They, they have no one driving the ship. And you think Marty St. Louis is going to come in and just stabilize this organization. They have a first-time GM. They get this first-time coach who's never coached in the NHL. He's never coached in the minor leagues. He's never coached in the OHL, the AHL, or the QHL, or the, the WHL, or the, or the QMWHL, or the, the SWHL. He's never coached anywhere other than his son, Pee Wee Hockey Team, and I think he was assistant coach. <laughs> yeah. Right? What are we okay. doing here? Given the roster, given where they are in the standings, given how the season's gone, the effort, given all those things, given the fact that he's a first-time coach, what do you think are some realistic goals for St. Louis for the rest of the season? He's got 35-ish games left. What are some things that he should be realistically trying to strive for? I think he, you you just go for effort. Like, I, I don't know. The, the, I don't know. I don't know, Tim. I think the bar is set so low for him. If if he comes out of here with, what is there, 30-some games, you said? If he yeah. wins 10, that's a good thing for him. Like that, That's a win for him if he gets 10 wins. I don't know if he's a long-term plan for the Montreal Canadiens. I hope not. I hope they maybe bump him down to assistant coach. Let him learn. Like He's yeah. in such a tough position. He's coming in. You don't know how it – yes, he – he knows his X's and O's. There's so much work that goes into being an NHL coach. Like, I don't think people realize the amount of time and effort that goes into being a coach. You have to game plan. You have to plan your own team. You have to prepare for the other team. You have to do so much stuff. You have to control your assistant coaches. You have to deal with the GM. You have to do all of this stuff. And Marty St. Louis coming in, he has no idea what he's getting himself into. Just because you're a player doesn't mean you know what it means to be a coach. Everyone always asks me here in Michigan, oh, you're going to coach? You're going to coach? I'm like, not a chance. Coaching sounds miserable. It sounds so incredibly bad. You just have to work so hard. Your hours are so much longer than a player's. And you think so much more. A player's the dumbest job in the world. You go out there, you skate, and you do your job. The coaches have to analyze. They have to prepare. They have to strategize. 
it's miserable. You think Marty St. Louis is ready for that? The guy's got a gazillion bucks in the bank. Do you think he's going to be all in? Do you think he's going to be up at night scouting, getting ready for the next team they play? trying to change around his lines and see who would work well together. Thinking, thinking about things like, okay, well, he's a left-handed shot. This guy likes to pass to this guy in his backhand. He has a hard time accepting a pass like that. No, he's going to look at these players and he go, Hey, Nick Suzuki, I could have done that. Why can't you? Yeah. I don't know. Just because you were really great hockey player doesn't make you a really great hockey mind. And I, Edmonton, this is Edmonton's downfall too. They try to force all of their their alumni who won them dozens of Stanley, or a handful of Stanley Cups. They try to force those guys into roles because they were good hockey players. It doesn't make you a good hockey person just because you were good on the ice. Trust me, I have ran across hundreds of hockey players who are really, really good. Dumb as a doorknob. So dumb. And they give these guys these jobs. We're going to make him the special executive president because he scored 500 goals in the NHL. Guy, it drives, it's just whatever, man. Okay, drive your it, – it's like Steve Eiserman is a unicorn. He's a very smart man who was really good in hockey. For every one of him, there's a half a dozen guys who scored as many goals who could not pass a grade 12 um, high school equivalency test. It's just a matter of fact. It's just how it goes. Doesn't mean they're going to be great GMs. I don't know. This is not a good hire for Montreal. Mark my words. There's a not end well for anybody involved. Well, it can't get worse. That's for sure. It really can't. That's right. It cannot get worse because boy, are they just licking the basement right now? Like they're trying to go further than they are. They can't do L- it. Licking the basement, huh? I like licking that. the basement floor. That's what they're trying to do. As getting as low as they can. I, I just made that up. And I think I just stumbled upon a t-shirt. Making a t-shirt. It's just terrible. You know what's not terrible? You nailed your points bet this past uh, week. Yes, I did. I doubted you. I doubted you. I was like, Chicago over Edmonton? You knocked it out of the park. They just dominated Edmonton 4-1. to It wasn't even close. Chicago looked like a good team. My haters are my motivators. That just keeps me going. That's why I get up in the morning. John has almost spit out his coffee. <laughs> my haters are my motivators. I like that. I've never heard that. That's funny. Who do you got now, Tim? Who, who's the next? Uh, who's the next victim? I, I I'm going to go a little bit easy tonight. There's a lot of really good games. Carolina and, and the Boston Bruins are playing each other. Um, we got Tampa. Uh, sorry, Calgary and Toronto are playing each other. Tampa. You think that's and Colorado. a good game. You think Carolina Boston is a good game at this point? Yes. Yeah, don't don't stop. Uh, but Tampa no. and Colorado. Listen what? to Boston's lineup without Marshawn. First line, okay. Hall, Halla, and Pasternak. Average. Second, second line, line, second line, DeBrusque, Coyle, and Craig Smith. Where's Bergeron? He's out. He's hurt. Yeah. He got slew footed or the feet took it out of him by Crosby. Okay. Third line, I'm... Frederick, Studnika, and Felino. Fourth line, Blida, Nozick, and Lazar. Lead. Uh, on, on defense, we got Grizzlick, McAvoy, Riley, Carlo, Forbort, and Clifton. Yuck. Bruins are not a good team at this point with those two guys being out. They're not. Okay. Well, <laughs> regardless, I'm not picking them. I'm not picking uh, – Tampa and Colorado is the game to watch tonight. It's in Colorado, so it's a late-night game, but that'll be a lot. That's potentially Stanley Cup preview. I'll probably put that on. Uh, but I'm going to go with the slam dunk pick. I'm going with Pittsburgh over the Senators. Uh, just, just kind of keep this win streak going. I'm, I don't want to take another risk. 
kind of go every other with that. So they're minus 200 to win. You won't win a lot of money, but it's money in the bank. So we'll take it. Penguins over Senators tonight. I like that. I like that a lot. There's a lot of good games. It'll be fun to watch these games tonight. No. So everybody go out there, watch your games, have some fun. We'll talk to everybody next week. Have Anything fun this else? weekend, John. I will heading up to MTU. It'll be a good trip. I'll talk to everybody when I get back, fill you in. Michigan Tech Huskies. All right, everybody. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.